0: And he called in this bird, and I don't remember. He couldn't be about forty yards away, and the shotgun. I had to lean back. I led leaned back into his lap, um, you know, against the tree. Mm-hmm. And when we had practiced, I wasn't leaning back like that. Well, I didn't realize my finger was going to be able to reach the trigger. So he, <laughs> the turkey came. I mean, full strut right into view, perfect shot. And he says, you, "You know, do you are you do you have your crosshairs on him?" And I said, "Yeah." He says, okay, go ahead. Do you have your safety off? I said, yeah. He says, go ahead and pull the trigger. And I just sat there, because I couldn't reach the friggin' trigger. <laughs> <laughs> and I was sitting there with my finger. I'll never forget it, because I'm like, trying to reach it, trying to reach it. My finger's coming.
1: Are... Camel boots on my feet, bow in my
2: hand. Walking in the early
3: dawn. The wow. Ammunition presents American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. I'm the Red Bull Mike Grace. Wayne Locke joins me in the studio. And uh, we're with, without Alex again this week. Did Alex quit or what?
2: <laughs> no, he's uh, he's out on sabbatical. Let's say uh, right, but no, he's out of touch. Still in Colorado, yeah. um, I still believe. Still on assignment. Yep, yeah, I believe he's supposed to return next week. So,
3: oh, very good. Yeah. All right. Well, we've we've missed him. I know the listeners have missed uh, hearing from him as well. And uh, today, folks, we got a really cool story that we're going to hear about uh, coming up on the program a little bit later. And and Wayne, what's this young lady's name?
2: Uh, Erica. Erica. Yeah.
3: We're going to hear from Erica. And you were telling me earlier that uh, she used to be anti-hunting.
2: Oh, big time anti-hunter.
3: And now she has gone to the other side.
2: Correct. Yeah. She's actually an advocate for hunting. Uh, She travels around, talks to people uh, to recruit hunters and and to educate uh, anti-hunters. She's got a heck of a story to tell and I can't wait to get her on. Yeah,
3: Yeah, that'll be very interesting. All right. So uh, last week we talked uh, coyote hunting. Yes, and then uh, from the time that it took for you to leave your house in Birchtree, come to the studio in Thayer, mm-hmm. and then get back to Birchtree, you had a very interesting thing happen.
2: Uh, yeah, as soon as I p- was pulling into the driveway, I saw a big bloody mess in the uh, the, the road right there. I almost said street <laughs> <Yeah>. the <laughs> in road. the road, uh, right there in front of my drive. And so I just kind of passed my drive a little bit, and I took a look at it, and I said, "Well, that that doesn't look right." So. Got out of the truck, walked over, and sure enough, uh, by the time I left and the time I came back, a pack of coyotes took down a deer, and uh, she was all uh, eaten up in that. It was on the Facebook page. If you're on my Facebook, you can see it.
3: Yeah, and that's really, I see, and that just goes to show because that was in the middle of the day. Right, and that's
2: scary because the, the wife was home. The kids are, you know, they go outside and play. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so that was a little little scary on that end for the wife. She said,
3: <laughs>
2: "Did she hear any of it going on?" No, she did not, which is a little shocking. And our dogs, you know, because we got some dogs out there and that that uh, take care of our area and keep the coyotes out. But they, she said they they weren't even really carrying on. So it must have been Good. just over the horizon where they couldn't see, just, you know what was going on. Yeah,
3: well, well, that's the, and folks, that just goes to show you we have a coyote problem across the Ozarks, and it's something that needs to be remedied. And the only way to remedy is for folks to take up trapping again. Or uh, for people to take up coyote hunting.
2: Yeah, and you know who my first call was? Oh yeah, <laughs> I called him up. I said, "Hey, can you come out and do take care of these coyotes?" And he said he'll be out here within the next couple weeks.
3: So, yeah, yeah so that's um, you know that's um, it, it. Really is a problem. We hate to keep harping on it, uh, you know, week after week, but it really is. And and you know, people want to have uh, want to have the turkey population return to what it used to be, rabbits and squirrels and everything else. Uh, you need to get the coyotes taken care of on your place. And and there are plenty of people, uh, I won't say plenty, but there are a lot of people who love to coyote hunt. And uh, you can just kind of reach out probably on your social media and you'll be able to find somebody and they'll come and they'll hunt your coyotes.
2: Yeah, and you can even get on social media and just go to like Missouri Coyote Hunting uh, page. They have a, there's a, a group on there. There's actually uh, quite a few groups. Uh, there's a Southeast Missouri Uh, I think there's one Kansas City area, Missouri, uh, you know, coyote hunters. There's all kinds of groups you can get on there. You just make a post and you probably have more people trying to get get on your property to help you out than you can do with. Yeah.
3: Or or just uh, look for uh, uh, Eddie Owens in Mountain View. Yep. And uh, I know my neighbor, uh, Alan Mitchell. Uh, He's uh, he's really gotten into hunting coyotes and uh, he and Eddie hunt some together. And and I saw Alan just had another one down just uh, two or three days ago on his Facebook page He'd killed another coyote. Just right out by my house. I mean, within a quarter of a mile.
2: Wow. Yeah, Eddie, same thing. He had uh, him and his wife both uh, took some coyotes down just a few days ago, too. Yeah, so
3: they need to get that done. All right, so this week, uh, Wayne, has been one for the record books. And across our listening area, uh, you know, we hit—I'm not, not even talking about the snow, because this happens every once in a while. We get, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 inches of snow, mm-hmm. whatever people got in, in the area where you're listening. Uh, but the record cold— We broke records this week for morning lows that had stood since 1958. Wow. That's how cold this week has been. And I blame you coming here from Ohio and bringing
2: it with you. (laughs) That's actually what my wife says. She goes, look, she goes, I think we brought it from Ohio down here. Everybody's going to be mad at us. (laughs) But yeah, the record, I mean, we lost our water in the house for quite a few hours that morning and, uh, got the heaters up underneath the cabin there get them on the back on the pipes and that but oh it was ridiculous cold I mean it wasn't too much for me I finally this year had to put a coat on for the first time yeah you did you know, but uh it was crazy
3: yeah it's uh, uh yeah just the w- the winter winter like we haven't had in a long long yeah. time long long time and and the sustained cold you know every once in a while we'll get a day or two mm-hmm but this thing going on for you know four, five, six days, right? Of just bitterly cold weather that just doesn't happen here very often. So.
2: No, and I'm feeling I'm feeling uh, bad for the people down there in uh, Texas right now.
3: Uh, Texas and Oklahoma and uh, South Arkansas. My youngest son, you know, is a, a, a power lineman. Mm-hmm. Works on the high lines, and uh, he has been all over Arkansas this week, and uh, currently is in Mississippi. Uh, His crew got sent to Mississippi. We're recording on Thursday. Uh, This morning, they they found out they were going from Fordyce, Arkansas, all the way to uh, Clinton, Mississippi. Uh, because there were uh, numerous power outages and the snow came through and right. power lines down and poles broke off and all kinds of and stuff had a
2: tornado going. go through there too a a tornado, days ago. Yeah. Yeah,
3: tornadoes and it's just it's just crazy the weather is just absolutely crazy
2: yeah and you got all those people in texas and that that are without power right now but you know hey if they build more windmills maybe they'd have more power
3: yeah i'm not gonna go there because <laughs> really that has nothing to do with what's going on in texas right now but uh Anyway, they, they don't they receive less than 10 percent of their power from wind and solar combined in Texas.
2: Yeah, I think. I, well, yeah, I think with those combined, I think it was like 23 percent and it cut down to like six. But the, even the uh, the the nuclear and the coal, yeah uh, you know, or the natural gas was affected by
3: the coal because they're just not used to those temperatures down there and everything was freezing up. Well, the issue with the natural gas is they can't get any. Because the roads are so bad, because of the Correct. the snow, that they can't get the tankers in to bring them more propane or more natural gas. Right. And with the coal-fired plants, uh, the coal piles that they feed the furnaces with mm-hmm. were frozen.
2: Wow. Yeah, I mean, they have attempts that they they just never heard of either.
3: Yeah, yeah, just just unreal.
2: Right, I think they said it was once-in-a-century temperatures that they had
3: down there. I talked to somebody in Dallas that had a daughter live there, and she'd been living there for 33 years and had never seen six inches of snow like they've got on the ground now.
2: Oh, wow. That's crazy.
3: Yeah, so it's it's, it's nuts. All right, we've got our special guest going to be coming up here in just a few minutes. We're going to talk just an amazing story and uh, one that I think you will want to stay tuned and listen for. You're listening to the American Roots Outdoors radio show with Alex Rutledge Rutledge and his friends. (laughs) We'll be back in a moment. Hey, everybody. This
1: is Michael Watt with bone collector, and you're listening to my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man.
2: Wishing on some love. I've been on a big boy
1: for a while like could load him in the back of my truck. Redbone, what would you say if I could tell you that you could kill a buck on a certain day?
3: I would say you're crazy. There's no way to predict how the bucks are gonna move.
1: Well, you're wrong. There's a new camera out called Wise Eye Technologies. These guys can predict the actual deer movement exact time that a deer is going to come through.
3: Really? Wise Eye Technology? This
1: camera has five megapixel pictures, has a GPS system built inside, and it's an experience using this camera. It collects data and tells you the movement, wind direction,
3: everything. On a camera?
1: On a camera. WiseEyeTechnologies.com
3: And how do I find out more information about these guys?
1: You go to WiseEyesmartCam.com. I'm using them. You should too. Make your hunt easier. Use WiseEye. Eye. Take up a big old hill. Year after year.
3: Got my hunting gear. Technology presents. American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. I'm red Redbone Mike Crace. Wayne Locke is here, and Wayne, we have our special guest on the line. We want to welcome Erica Faulkner to the uh, American Roots Outdoors Radio Show. Erica, hi there.
0: Hey guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
2: Oh, we love having you here. We we we're excited to hear this uh, great story that uh, you're getting ready to tell.
0: It's an interesting one, that's for sure. <laughs> I come full of interesting stories, so. and it sounds like it's
2: not just a story; it's more of a journey.
0: Yes, it's, it, it truly is, actually. Um, and there's quite there's quite a bit of interesting stuff that you know that I got to share with you all that I think you'll enjoy. So, um, I don't know. You want me to start at the beginning?
3: Well, well, let's find out first who Erica Faulkner is. Uh, where where okay. you're where you're from, and some of your background.
0: All right, and well, um not going to lie, I don't like to admit it to too many people, but I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. Awesome. Um, I live I live in Virginia now, so I, I try and keep the Boston, Massachusetts on the down low. Um, <laughs> so I, I grew up in Massachusetts, uh, spent most of my life there, uh, and a little bit of time in New Hampshire, and uh, now I'm, I'm down in Virginia, so... Um, i uh I'm actually an editor at an equestrian magazine um and I ride horses competitively um and yeah. outside of that, believe it or not, um the whole hunting atmosphere has turned me on to a new job that I now do and uh, I do European mounds that I've started doing this year now I have a European mount business wow,
3: that's so, very cool uh, yeah all right so boston yeah. did did you ever actually go to the uh, the place where the where the uh t v show cheers? Was, uh, yes na-
0: and it's not that exciting <laughs> <laughs> it's really not i guess i guess when you're from boston you know it's just it's really not that exciting yeah i've been there and it's I don't know. I guess when you're a tourist, it's fun. But, yes, I've
2: been there. (laughs) I can relate to that because from Cleveland, you know, we had the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and we had the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And to us, it's like, eh. You know, but anybody coming in, they thought it was the
3: greatest thing in the world. Well, see, that's (laughs) like me growing up in St. Louis around the Gateway Arch. Right. And, you know, when you live there, you go, well, there's that arch thing. It's it's not anything too exciting. But people come come from all over the world to see it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, even, you know, New Hampshire, when I
0: was in New Hampshire, the New Hampshire Foliage, is, I'm, you know, regarded as some of the most oh, beautiful yeah. people come from all over the world to go to the foliage, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know, leaves are changing. It's, <laughs> it's a sign of hunting season. That's about all it means to me now.
3: <laughs> all right. So, so, uh, so uh, Erica, and Wayne tells me that uh, you were an anti-hunter. Yes.
0: And not even just mildly anti-hunting. Like, I mean, I wanted nothing to do with hunters. I couldn't, I mean, you couldn't have found a more... Turned off from hunting, person than I was growing up, and why was um, that? Well, you know, there's kind of kind of two reasons for that. One um, was I'm not gonna lie, pure ignorance. Um, some of the stories I'll tell you, just complete lack of knowledge for anything that actually happens in hunting. Um, I just had this vision of people literally going out into the woods and slaughtering animals, like. That's that's all I knew. Like, nobody, you know, being an anti-hunter and coming up, I grew up in a family that just, I wouldn't even say my family was anti-hunting. They were just, they just were not hunters. But we just had a very disdained taste for um, this impression of these people that would just run into the woods and and kill Bambi. You know, I mean, that's literally what I grew up thinking. Like, that, it was time for people to run in the woods and slaughter animals. I had no idea what went into it. So I think um, straight ignorance, uh, to be honest, was a big part of it. And the other part of it would be, and I hate saying this, but it's truth is um, not non-ethical hunters or, or bad hunt, you know, not, not good sportsmen. Um, many times we would have hunters come stumbling across our yard that were drunk and didn't know what they had shot. And, you know, cause I, we lived in the woods, um, okay. you know, and we, it, it just very, um, rude hunters that would, you know, trespass and, and just it seemed like every encounter I had with somebody who was a hunter was just this horrible experience. Um, and I think so that that really is what set it off. I just I envisioned these horrible people running into the woods slaughtering animals it really was that that you know and that kind of goes to what
2: we're always saying too about first impression can make or or break somebody and your first impression of hunters was was bad and it it left a bad taste in your mouth for years to where that's why we're always telling people if you can get a child out and get that first impression of what hunting is really supposed to be about it can really set the tone for the future of, of their career
0: I'll tell you, I wish I knew, I mean, and I hate saying ignorance, but it really, I mean, I'm not going, I was very ignorant. I am, I, okay, I'm an archer now. And believe it or not, I was so, um, even back then I was, I was so ignorant to archery, to hunting, you know, with a bow and arrow that I literally thought people were running out there with like traditional bows and arrows and like <laughs> hunting animals. Like, <laughs> that's how little I knew. And, and I, you know, I just. The 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 time, the education, I guess, to just talk to people and, um, and give them that first good experience goes such a long way. Like you said, getting the kids out there. I mean, what I know now, if somebody had taken the time, which eventually someone finally did, and explained to me what goes into hunting, is that it's so much more than just killing the animal. I mean, my, part of my biggest joy at this point in hunting is I'm obsessed with my trail cameras, and I'm obsessed with the scouting part of it, like obsessed with it. And um, and I think if, if people treated anti-hunters with less of a, oh, they're horrible people and they don't, you know, they just think, you know, whatever, they're, they're just ignorant and, and and look at them in a down light and maybe took the time to realize if someone just talked to them a little bit and showed them, like, outside of actually killing the animal, what goes on, I think you'd be surprised how many might actually... Turn.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I could see that, and, and you know, to kind of sum up here before we wrap up this segment, uh, basically it was because you were not exposed. I mean, you were an anti-hunter right. because you had not been exposed or taught anything about hunting or the process or or the lifestyle that is the hunting lifestyle.
0: Exactly.
2: You know, I find that almost a little odd too, because she says she grew up in the woods. So you would yeah, almost, one would almost think that would just be a natural thing, that if you grew up in the woods, you kind of just kind of do that. Well, it was in Boston. Yep. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and, you
0: know, and I say Boston, by the way, but it was north of Boston a little bit. So, but, but, you know, no one's going to know
3: my little podunk town of Boxford. I... <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, folks, I want you to stick around because we're going to find out exactly what turned Erica from a anti-hunter into a hunter. And we'll be back with more American Roots Outdoors radio right after this.
0: Hi, everybody. This is Jessica White with Wonder Woman, Kansas. You're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Think of a big
1: old hill,
2: year after year, got my hunting gear. Wise Eye Technology presents American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. This is Wayne Locke. Got Mike Grayson in the studio here with me. And we have Erica Faulkner on the phone, who was what we all like to term as the evil (laughs) anti-hunter people that... uh, you know, we'd always uh, look at us as hunters in a, a bad light. They'd probably, you know, turn their nose up at us and make comments when we walked by and were wearing our camo and that. But, Erica, things changed for you, and, you know, why don't you fill us in. How did? What was the first step that made you say, hmm, maybe this isn't uh, what I thought it was?
0: Um, You know, believe it or not, and I, I guess I, I owe a lot of it to my boyfriend, um, Roger Willett, and he's, he's a, a very skilled hunter. Um, he's been hunting his whole life, and... I really, I, I think that it was his openness to show me what it was all about that actually even got me interested. Because when we, when we first got in our relationship, I still wasn't very, I mean, I I had come down off my old anti-hunter, like I hate hunters, to at least a mild, like, okay, as long as they're not around me, I'm okay, because I've been able <laughs> to put myself, you know, some distance from them, and I would just, you know, I wouldn't associate with anybody or whatever. And um, But he, um I guess just seeing this dedication in someone to to follow through and do something that I didn't understand was a part of hunting. And I'll never forget the first day he asked me I had I had mentioned to him that maybe I wanted to go out in the woods. I had I had seen, you know, that there was a little bit of there was something more to it I could see in him mm-hmm. besides just mm-hmm. um killing an animal. And he asked me if I wanted to go out and go turkey hunting one day. And, uh, and I said, yeah, I just, I'll be honest. I'm not really sure what the exact change was. Maybe the fact that I was tired of being ignorant. I had gotten older and I realized that all I had ever known was just what I knew that nobody had, you know, I had never taken the time to learn anything. And I just was, Mm -hmm. I was ignorant and I started to see that I was ignorant and I wanted to just kind of at least have a little substance behind my anti-hunting, you know, um, Like I I almost, I think I almost went hunting the first time so that I have some ammo to be more (laughs) anti-hunter Yeah, (laughs) quite frank. Well, you know, I think there's probably a lot to do that. Yeah. Like I really, I was like, you know what? I've never given a shot. I'm just going to go in the woods and see what this is about. And I mean, oh boy, I mean, we went hunting and he took me out turkey hunting and they were gobbling left and right. And I mean, it was the most exciting action filled event, far different than what I ever expected.
2: And that was, a, that was probably a smart move, Mike, on his part, to take her out <laughs> yeah. for turkey season because to hear the gobbling, the excitement, yeah. I mean, I know what it's like. You get the hair standing on, up on the back of your neck, mm-hmm. and they're pounding, they're coming in, to where if he took you deer hunting for the first time, and you had to sit there for four or five oh hours and, and not I'm see ADD, anything but a squirrel.
0: And, <laughs> yeah, and, and people still don't know how I deer hunt because I literally am all over the map, and I can't sit still, and I'm ADD off on rabbit trails all the time. Yeah, I can sit in the deer stand for eight or nine hours and not move. And I, <laughs> it's like it's retarded. I just this i was so close. But he did. He took me out turkey hunting, and I'll tell you, man. And he's a really good turkey hunter, and uh, you know he goes after him. So he, they were they were calling, and he was calling to him, and he's really good at calling. And we were just, I—we mean, were all over the woods, and um, and getting a really nice bird that day. There's uh its actually kind of funny because he had me set up to shoot, but. And he had told me, you know, you can't uh you can't move when you're turkey hunting. you have to sit still, which is a mm-hmm. huge challenge for me. And he called in this bird and I don't remember, he couldn't be about forty yards away. And the shotgun, I had to lean back, I led leaned back into his lap, um, you know, against the tree. Mm-hmm. And when we had practiced, I wasn't leaning back like that. Well, I didn't realize my finger was gonna be able to reach the trigger. So he, the turkey came, I mean, full strut, right into view, perfect shot. And he says, are you, you know, do you, are you, do you have your crosshairs on him?" And I said, yeah. He says, okay, go ahead. Do you have your safety off? I said, yeah. He says, go ahead and pull the trigger. And I just sat there because I couldn't reach the freaking trigger. <laughs> and I was sitting there with my finger. I'll never forget it because I'm like trying to reach it and trying to reach it. My finger's not reaching it. And he's like, okay. And he's just, you know, it's quiet for a minute. And the bird's still, he's still in full strut. And he goes, are your crosshairs on him? I'm like, yeah. He goes, is your safety off? I'm like, yeah. He goes, go ahead and gently squeeze the trigger. And I told him, I'm like, I can't. And he looked down, and I, was sitting, I knew I couldn't move. So I'm like trying to figure out how to get to the trigger. Long story short, he reaches over, grabs his shotgun that was sitting on the other side. He reaches over my head and shoots him, jumps up, leaps frogs over me, runs. And, you know, the bird at that point had been taken off a little bit. So it's kind of a long shot. And he jumped on the bird and the bird's hopping up and down and I literally like I was dying laughing. I ran up to him and I was dying laughing. He's like, What is so funny? I'm like, I had no idea that you could run that fast. Like I had no idea <laughs> that I could run that fast. When he was running a turkey down, he could run. So <laughs> huh. But uh Yeah. So I think anyway, back to you know, going from anti hunter to hunter, um, if that you, was wait, my uh, first hunt. If
2: you don't mind me asking, I know you're never supposed to ask a, a lady her age, but at what age was that that you went on that first turkey hunt?
0: Believe it or not, so I'm I'm 38. You can ask my age. Everyone thinks I'm younger. Um, and so that was it'd be six years now, six years ago. Oh wow, wow! And, so uh, okay. yeah,
2: 32 years of being anti-hunter. To wow.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, did, and and did? like bad. Like I wouldn't eat venison. Like I mean, I wasn't going to eat a deer. I mean I was anti I mean I was I was pretty hardcore anti hunter. Yeah.
3: So did the, yeah. did the change come immediately Erica? I mean from that day forward you're like okay I've had this all wrong my whole life.
0: Um that day sparked the interest and then really and it's funny because most people you know turkey season is so exciting but once I got into deer season and I started like it did spark the interest but once once I started really just learning about Other things in hunting, Um, Uh the trail cameras, the wind, the moon, how animals move, and it became more of a game. So I would say the next season, um, during deer season, is when I really switched. And I'll tell you, once I switched, I mean, there's, I switched. I mean, I predator hunt, uh, I turkey hunt, I deer hunt. Um, I mean, I I do it all at this point. So you learned obsession.
2: Yeah. So you learned to be. It's really more of a chess match.
0: Absolutely. Once I learned that it's not just shooting
3: the animal. Yep. Yep. That's an amazing story. That's an amazing story. And probably one uh, that is uh, repeated, uh, Erica and and Wayne, more than we know. Right. Because people aren't outspoken about it. But uh, Erica, you've taken it even one step further, and and we're about to the end of the segment, but we'll pick it up in the next. You're you're taking it to a whole nother level, and now that you, you... are a hunter now? You are actively recruiting other folks from non-hunter to hunter. Is that correct?
0: I try all the time. I try all the time. I um, I I just wish somebody had taken the time when I was younger to not treat me. You know, and this is and this is, I'm going to go ahead and, and and call out hunters because this is where the hunters fail at it. But instead of treating anti-hunters as these as the horrible other side, which is is how you know anti-hunters treat hunters. We've got to look at them in the light that literally it's it's ignorant. Like, they're not in a bad way, but they just don't know. And if you can just look at their situation and go, they just don't know. And if you can just teach them something, mm-hmm. you, could put, you could change so much. I, and there's been a whole bunch of people. I mean, I've got a whole bunch of girls that, you know, have – I wouldn't say they've fully swapped over to hunting at this point, um, but they've gone from like, oh, I'm completely not interested and I would never do something to, like that to like, oh, maybe I'll go with you sometime. And that's a huge
3: step. Right. Absolutely. that's a
0: huge step.
3: All right, folks, we need to take a break here. Eric is going to be back with us in the next segment. You're listening to American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends.
1: Hey, this is Eddie Salter, and you listen to American Roots and Outdoors
2: with Alex Rutledge and friends.
1: Passed on down, planted deep in the ground, around your heart, so you never got to worry what the wind Roots. Hi, everybody. This is Alex Rutledge with American Roots Outdoors. How many of you need an attorney? If you're like me, sometimes you do. I go to Zane Prevet at the Brevet Law Office, Willow Springs, Missouri. No case is too big or too small. You can call Zane at 417 469 3535. Zane Prevet at the Brevet Law Office. This is Alex Rutledge, and he is my attorney.
3: Eagle Seed presents American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. I'm Red Bull Mike Grace. Wayne Locke is here, and we have Erica Faulkner on the line. And if you've been listening to the whole show, I think you're finding this a, a fascinating story. And if not, uh, just to kind of give you a quick recap, uh, Erica was an anti-hunter. Uh, She met a guy who was a hunter. She kind of got interested in hunting. And now, after going hunting and for the last six years or so, she has been an advocate for hunting. So she has made the total flip from one side to the other, and that's kind of what you've missed. Although, if you go to uh, our podcast, we'll talk about this again later, you can go back and listen to the entire program program. and hear the whole story. So, um, anyway, Erica, we kind of left off with, you know, you talking about uh, the fact that you changed and now you actually... Act, actively is the word I'm looking for, uh, try to recruit other non-hunters over to becoming hunters just simply by educating them uh, because you really feel like that is their major issue is that they are just not educated in the sport. All they see is the killing. They don't understand the sport of hunting. Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, A hundred um, percent. I think that's the big, I think that's the big part that people miss. Um, mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, you see all these anti-hunters who, who who actually use that word to, oh, you guys just kill for sport, but they're still missing the, they, they keep going back to this poor defenseless animal. And all I want to scream from the rooftop is that every time I go hunting and, you know, I've had this awesome eight-pointer, you know, and like I was telling you guys earlier, I bow hunt, um, deer I hunt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had six or seven encounters with this fantastic eight-pointer that I just a a deer that's on my hit list and I have yet to get him on the ground and I just want to scream to all these anti-hunters who are like oh you're killing a poor defenseless animal I'm like please come in the woods with me (laughs) for the next three months and you will completely change your mind about poor, defenseless, helpless animal because I am Yeah, it's <laughs> not like going from my bow hunting experience. It is not poor, defenseless, helpless animal. I can't tell you how many. I mean, you you really got to be, you know, on your game. And I wish that that people would that education would happen, um, and that conversation would happen because that's what changed me.
3: Yeah, I think those people they they fail to see the challenge uh, that it is, and just. The things that you have to do to get an animal within bow range, or a turkey within shotgun range, or you yeah. know a coyote even just come out in the clear where you can get a shot at it at three hundred <laughs> yep. yards. I mean, it's all a huge yeah. challenge.
2: Yeah, and the great outdoors is not yep. a grocery store. You can't just walk in, grab your meat, and walk out. <laughs> you know, so exactly. and I don't think they un- I don't think they understand that. But you know, hey, speaking of archery, you know, you're you're talking about you're strictly a bow hunter for when it comes to deer and that. Um, you also you're a competitive archer, aren't you?
0: Yes, I am. Um, and that actually, that, that pretty much came around the time that I started hunting, um, maybe a little bit before, about a year before um, I started um, competitive archery. My my first actual big tournament was the Las Vegas tournament, which is <laughs> the World Championships for Archery. Um, and that, that was the first one I went to. Um, you can't get anything past me without going, going full gun on something. I've got to go step on the big stage the first time. Um, but... Um, yeah, I, I shoot for uh, Matthews, and so does my boyfriend, Roger Willett. He's the pro staffer for Matthews. Um, he's actually won all types of stuff. He's won Vegas. He's won uh, a whole bunch of 3D stuff, ASAs, um, IBOs. Uh, I mean, you name it, he's won it. Uh, he was ranked uh, number one in the world for quite some time for FIDA, um, archery. So, yeah, so I'm a competitive archer still. Um, the tournaments have been very quiet right now because of all the COVID stuff. Sure, right. so much. Um, but, yeah, um, I, I'd say they pretty much go hand in hand. Um, I'd be lying if I didn't say the bow hunting takes a little bit of an edge these days. I used to be more into the competitive stuff, but I'm going a little more towards just hunting these days.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet you know. I bet we know a, a common person, and, and and maybe not, but uh, a good friend of mine is Joella Bates, 12-time world champion 3D shooter. Oh, yeah, yep, yep, yep. I'm member of the U.S. Olympic team, but- yeah, member of yep. the US Olympic team and the USA yep. Games and uh, yeah, and what a great gal. If you ever get a chance to yep. meet her, yep. be prepared for the hug because she will squeeze your head off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> will do. Will do. Have you ever heard of Brady Ellison? Uh yes. Yes, Brady Ellison his um I, I, well, his so his dad is my was my coach for a short
3: time. Oh, okay, very cool. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So uh, uh, now, do do you uh, in your competitive archery? Do do you also teach archery to youngsters?
0: You know, I don't do any teaching of archery. Um, Roger used to teach a little bit, but he hasn't quite had mm-hmm. the time for it. But I actually don't teach. Um, I think that I still have a lot to learn. I mean, I've been competitive now, yeah. So about six or seven years competitive, but I feel like I'm still so. So new into actually competitive archery compared to other people out there that I'm not sure I'd have that much to teach besides be still and quiet
3: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And,
0: and aim. <laughs> well, you know, and
3: the, and the archery is becoming so popular in our high school. Yes. And I remember I graduated in 1979. We actually had an archery class way back then mm-hmm. in my school in St. Louis. And then they kind of got away from it because of the dangers of turning teenagers loose. <laughs>
2: right, with, with okay, a bow and arrow, right. and
3: 20 of them in a line <laughs> yeah. shooting at targets. Uh, but right. uh, they kind of got away from it for the safety factor. But it is a, a sport that is growing, especially among the ladies and the young girls. The, yeah. Joella was actually on another show that I, uh, I'm a part of uh, here at a radio station, and uh, mm-hmm. she was talking about, you know, she's got a class that she teaches, and she travels all over the country teaching this class. She, uh, primarily, it is girls, and the girls are loving yeah. archery
0: yes they are yep, yeah yeah I, I and I wish more girls would hunt I think that's a, that's another thing that makes um my whole situation a little, little unique not only was I anti-hunter I'm a female and there's just not many of them and and I quite frankly I, I don't understand um why more girls don't that's that's been something puzzling to me I don't know maybe they don't want to get there Their nails dirty. I don't know, Um, but um, I I, I wish more more women would hunt.
2: Right, and it probably goes Um, a lot back to the stereotyping. You know, it's like, well, the guys go the guys go out and hunt, and the girls stay inside the house. You know, and and then when it came time for as times were changing, you still had the old mentality of guys saying, well, I'll take my son out, but. No, you go stay here with mom, you know, to his daughter. Yeah. And it wasn't until yeah, well, I, I, about 20 years ago that you started seeing the change. And now, women and, and and girls are the fastest growing part of the industry. I mean, you before you you get a lady out hunting, she had to wear men's hunting clothes, yeah. you know, and it was uncomfortable. Oh, Nothing though, ever but fit. But here's and, the.
0: Thing. Here's the thing. I still wear my honey clothes. How funny is that? I have lots of ladies' honey clothes. They're going to do a better job on it because it still doesn't fit right. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think you're right about the stereotype. And, and you know, I even get it. Um, it's funny because I shot my biggest, I shot a fantastic buck, not last year, the year before, my biggest buck to date. And uh, when I put him on, on Facebook, um, you know, there were a lot of comments from guys about how, you know, how my boyfriend must have. Put me in a good spot, or you know, whatever, whatever. And you know, and uh, don't get me wrong, my boyfriend certainly, you know, found us great hunting spots, and, and I owe a hundred percent of what I've learned to him. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, guys assume that I, I'm not doing it myself. You know, that, right. that maybe I'm sitting in a tree with him, or whatever. I mean, you know, and I'm even this year, I'm I'm hunting out of a tree saddle. Like I'm I'm not even using a stand anymore. I'm starting to use a tree saddle. Oh, um, wow. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's actually very interesting. And I don't think, I mean, most guys, I think, are shocked that I'm even just going out with a climber every time. I don't have a stand set up anywhere. I'm out, you know, I'm, we're finding the deer as we go out that day. <laughs> wow. um, so, you know, yeah. So th- there's definitely a stereotype because I hate it because a lot of people don't, a lot of men don't believe that. Um, I, sh- I shouldn't say men. Men and women. Believe it or not, the women are just as bad. I had a lot of women... Say that my my photo was photoshopped with my big deer, and there's no way that you know a girl could have shot a deer like that. Some other guy told me that I must be shooting high fence and hunting high fence because there's no way I could have got a deer like that. And I'm yeah. like, this does not help. I was this, actually going to conversation.
2: Yeah, I was actually just going to bring that up. I bet you get people to say you must be hunting a fenced area. Yeah.
0: Yep, yep. People think that I hunt high fence and, and I don't, and I never have, and um and people and then when I tell them it's bow, it, I think they're even more surprised. <laughs> um. <laughs>
3: Well, yeah. you know, as long as you can shoot straight, I don't care if it's a gun or a bow, it doesn't matter who you are, yeah. you can kill any size deer. Yep. Right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, if you know where to go. Yeah, you know, I want I I reiterate, to reiterate, reiterate a story because uh, this kind of goes back to why there aren't more women hunting. And uh, another, another facet of this, and just make this a quick story because we're about out of time, but my daughter Jessica, <clears throat> when she turned 30, she decided she wanted to go hunting with me one day. And uh, mm-hmm. it happened to be on a Thursday, and that's when we were recording this show mm-hmm. on a Thursday afternoon. So we came up to record the show, and she just came with me, and Alex was here. And he said, well, Jessica, have you ever been deer hunting with your dad before? And she said, no. And, and you know, I was like, why not? And I, I didn't know this until she said it on the, on the radio show. She said, well, growing up, my dad always hunted, and he, he always took the boys. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. Two, two sons. And she said, and I never did say anything because I kind of saw that as their bonding time and their special yep. time as, you know, dad and son. And she said, I just didn't want to ear- interfere with that. Uh, so, you know, sometimes the ladies, I think, take it on themselves not to be a part of it. Does I that make agree.
0: sense? I agree. It's our own fault. I, yep. I mean, we definitely play a part in it. Um, and I definitely glad- had to put my foot in, in into situations. I mean, even now, you know, when my boyfriend will go, you know, go off coyote hunting with some of his buddies and stuff, he, you know, of course, I'm always welcome wherever he goes hunting and stuff, but sometimes I have to really put my foot in the door
3: because the guys are like, hey, why is there a girl
0: coming along? You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, I'm one of the guys, so get used to it. Yeah, that,
3: that is part of it. Erica, we want to say thank you for being on the the radio portion of the program, and I know you're going to hang on, and we're going to talk some more on the podcast. And uh, yes. But we are we are out of time for the radio show, so Wayne, explain to the folks where they can go to hear the podcast and hear more with Erica Faulkner.
2: Yeah, to listen to the rest of this story here with Erica, you're just going to go to your favorite podcast carrier, type in American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge, hit the uh, button, click subscribe, and take a listen. Not only this full episode, if you missed part of it, you can listen to the entire episode, but you're also going to get the bonus segment where we're going to talk more with Erica about some hunting issues and some hunting opportunities she's going to have. But uh, also be sure to check out the American Roots Outdoors uh, page on uh, Facebook and the American Outdoors podcast on Facebook. facebook also and we can on that group there for the podcast one you'll be able to do some communication with us uh, one-on-one talking and uh, ask questions that we can ask on the air which we also have a listener question for erica on the bonus segment too so
3: all right very cool all cool. right as we always say when your roots run deep and strong there's no reason to fear the wind see you next week everybody
1: so you never
3: gotta worry what the wind For joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station.
2: Texas Rays Hunting Products presents American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and his friends. This is Wayne Locke. I got Mike Grayson in the studio with me, and we have Erica Faulkner on the phone. If you're listening to this, that means you are listening to us on the podcast. We appreciate you listening to us on the podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, share it with your friends, and leave us a review. Just take a moment right now and just stop what you're doing and just leave a quick review. We appreciate it. Make sure when you leave your review, though, that you leave your full name real name not your username in the review along the state that you're from because when we draw a winner out we're going to be able to get in contact with you and get a package and make
3: sure it's a good review or we're going to reject it
2: (laughs) you may not like what you get in your package (laughs) (laughs) erica when we left off we were talking about hunting and that's and uh you know what what is on your bucket list you know let's let's go into some of that what do you want to do that you have not done yet
0: mule deer it's, it's quite simple mule deer i want to spot and stock mule deer that is my bucket list hunt um and roger and i have been discussing it um i've been fortunate to go out to illinois um for some whitetail, but i want to mule deer hunt um i'm obsessed with with trying to get out there mule deer hunt i know nothing about it um and so i i have a ton to learn but that is my bucket list that and um Bear hunting in Alaska would probably be the other one. You know, I, don't, I think that's the first uh, with,
2: time. With a bow, of course. Right. I think that's the first time anybody's ever said mule deer was their number one yes. bucket list thing. It's always usually bear, yeah. moose, yeah. elk, yeah. elk.
0: Yeah. you know, something yeah. like that. But I know. I'm weird. What can I say? <laughs> well, I've always wanted to do a
3: mule deer hunt. I've never been on a mule always. deer hunt. And, and you know, yeah. the stalking and, and the spotting and stalking just fascinates me. Right. Because I've seen yeah. videos and watched people walk up within 10 yards of these things, bedded down in a yeah. wheat field somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think yeah. that would be so cool. Yeah, and I'm at the age yeah, now and, where I
2: better do it now or I'm not going to be able to do it at all.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, you know,
0: it's funny because, you know, a lot of the country, mule deer is, is common for them. It's just, I'm in Virginia and we don't have, it's not, it's just not common. So to me, it's it's a very, you know, a very foreign um, mm-hmm. um, what to go hunt. And I just, uh, I don't know. I'm obsessed with it. I don't know why. I think they're fascinating I think they're absolutely cool looking. I just there's the whole experience looks fascinating to me. My boyfriend has gone elk hunting a lot. Actually, he's got a huge elk here in our in our house. Um, believe it or not, I'm one of the few elk hunting just doesn't. And I'm sure I'll do it someday, but it's, it is not on the top of my list. Mule deer for sure. Wow. Yep. What
2: about turkey? Yeah. Are, you, are you looking to do a grand slam?
0: No, you know it's funny because I do enjoy turkey hunting too. But I'm gonna tell you, man, I am—I'm just stuck on deer hunting right now. Um Deer hunting and coyote hunting are the two things that I'm really stuck on. I do—I—I I mean, I turkey hunt. I turkey hunt every year, but I don't turkey hunt like I deer hunt and like I coyote hunt.
2: Yeah. So. Well, we—our last few episodes have been on, on uh, coyote hunting and trapping and that. And matter of fact, last yep. week we had uh, John Collins on uh, from Tooth and Claw TV. And uh, yep. he, right, I recorded the show, and when I got home, within that two hours that I was gone to come here to the station, at the end of my driveway mm-hmm. was a deer that was all tore up by a pack of coyotes during the daytime, yep. yep. and that's how bad yep. it is. Oh,
0: yeah.
2: So maybe yep. we should get- yeah,
0: And you know, it's funny, because you, you brought the turkey hunting in, and I think, you know, um, part of the struggle with turkey hunt with me is is just staying still. you, you got to be still a few deer hunts, and I, I am still... Um, but you gotta know, be so still turkey hunting, and sometimes I can't lie; I think that that defeats me on my turkey hunt because eventually I gotta I gotta move a little bit. And it's always at the wrong time, right? You know? you know. But at least deer hunting, I hunt you know thirty five feet up, you know thirty thirty five feet. So I'm a little out of sight if I need to move a little bit. But um, and the predator hunting, the 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 get up and go, the predator hunting and moving around to different spots and stuff, and kind of going after them is is a big draw for that.
2: Right. Now, where can people, if they want to get in contact with you to maybe, you know, you got people listening to this saying, you know, I, maybe she's got a story to tell that I want to hear more about, and they want to get a hold of you. How can they get a hold of you?
0: So, um, on Facebook, um, obviously, there's it's just Erica Faulkner. Um, I actually, if you look up my business page, which is kind of the coolest thing that's come out of this whole hunting experience, is um, that I do European mounts now, and my business is called Where Next Skull. So, it's W A R E neck skulls. I mean, you can search that on Facebook and pull up my business page and send me a message. Um, there is there is an Erica Faulkner Archery Facebook page, um, but I don't really go on that very much. So if anyone wants to chat, I've got a ton of stories to tell. They can look me up on that business page and send me a message. And uh, I'd love to chat anytime. I'd love to talk about hunting with anybody. So.
2: Yeah, and of course, we're going to put the link on to all those pages on the bottom of the podcast so they can scroll up and just hit the link, take them right to it. But Perfect. you know, one of the things that you know, before we wrap up here, we got a couple minutes left on the uh, or a few minutes left here on the bonus segment. But you know, what is it that inspires you to be an inspiration to others? I mean, what is it that you want them to see that maybe they're just not seeing? Um. And how can that be? a ach- how can th- that, how can it be achieved?
0: So I think I think what I want others to see is my is how self sufficient hunting has made me. Um, and, and then maybe that sounds silly, but especially in this day and age, and I you know you know. Um, where things are headed, I think, um, in society in general, I think if I can be an inspiration for others to, to be able to be self sufficient um, and not have to, you know, rely on whatever food, you know, is, is available in, in the supermarket that you can go feed yourself. And there's, there's this new, you know, sense of freedom and independence that you get when you learn to hunt. And I think that that, that would be. Um, what i would like to inspire people to get to to that point in their life where they felt self sufficient and not reliant and you know i don't mean self sufficient as they got to go, you know, cut down a bunch of trees <laughs> and live in a hut in alaska like you know but that they, they can take care of themselves and if if things if times get difficult that you know you know where your food comes from and you know what you're putting in your body you know that when push comes to shove you're going to survive through anything um, and i think that's that's what
3: I would want to. You know, Wayne, I know that you know. You, you moved to the Ozarks here from Ohio, mm-hmm. and, and I've lived here in the Ozarks now for 40-plus years, and uh, I, I, I grow a garden. Uh, I raise chickens to butcher, yep. and I raise mm-hmm. chickens for eggs. And, uh, and a lot of this I've done over the last 10 years, I'm building a hog pen to raise to raise my own pigs to yep. butcher. And um, one of the reasons that I kind of got rid of the horses because I want to get my field ready because I'd like to raise a steer to, to butcher. And so I said, why do you want to do all that? That's work. And I said, because I want to be more self-sufficient. Right. And, you know, yep. my wife and I, we, we take pride in our garden. And uh, we yep. can we can eat salad every night for a whole summer and not buy one vegetable at the grocery store.
2: Oh, and Erica, yep. you've got to yep. see his garden. We're not talking like a little tiny petite garden that will feed two people. This garden ah, is like this garden it. is big, beautiful, and his the size of the stuff that he's producing is amazing.
0: Well, and see, I I want a garden like that eventually. I travel too much with archery and stuff that I can't really have that right now. Sure. But that would be that's eventually my goal. Well, it, well, like part. it's
3: part of the self sufficiency. Right. I mean, we we, we yep. put up usually about forty eight uh, quarts of uh, homemade pickles every year, and we yep. we freeze our tomatoes for making chili and vegetable soup in the winter. Yep. And, you know, my wife, she even freezes the okra and, and peppers and things. So we have them all winter long. When We want them to have fried okra. We used to have fried okra yep. in January, and it's fresh.
2: You know, I was just I, right. something just dawned on me. I bet you the easiest person that Erica could turn from anti-hunter to hunter is an anti-hunter who is just all about being organic vegetables.
0: <laughs> because you're not going <laughs> to well, get more true, organic meat
2: than a deer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know it's true it's true but you know what they said they're some of the hardest i hate i hate that you know here i'm going to stereotype somebody but they're they're some of the hardest to turn. i'm telling you <laughs> yeah
2: i would imagine awesome well hey erica you know we're we're just so glad you came on the show because i think you had a, a story to tell that needed to be heard and i think anybody that's hearing this that has even thought once just a fleeting thought that said you know i'm Maybe I'd really need to look at the other side of this issue. I'm hoping that just by hearing your story, they're going to take that moment to to seek out and someone who can maybe spend a little time with them, take them out, introduce them to the woods, like you had that opportunity. Like you said, you're never too old to change how you did it, how you do things. Yeah. We had somebody on that uh, a few episodes back that uh, got into hunting. She didn't first time she ever hunted. I think she was 52 years old, mm-hmm. and uh, yep. you know, it, so you're never too old. I hope everybody that's listening to this episode really takes to heart what uh, Erica has been uh, preaching on this and that is: get out there, don't treat the anti's like they're your enemy because they just, like you said, they just don't understand. Take a minute, they explain don't. it to I, them, and yep. get them out there.
0: Yep, you got to you got to educate them and and the people that are thinking about it. You know, I mean, you got to you got to teach them about trail cameras, teach them about. I mean, just approach it with some other way besides actually shooting the animal. And let that be, you know, just a part of it because that's – that, that would have changed me a long long time ago if I didn't have this image of someone just running into the woods butchering a poor helpless deer. <laughs> well, it, It's that image Mike, my God. It, right, yeah.
2: and it's that image that is really causing problems problem because there was a commercial on yeah. I just saw it, not too long, I wish I could remember what station I was watching, but it was an anti-trapping uh, commercial, anti-hunting commercial right. trapping, yeah, and they were that. they were showing pictures of the old like 1950s old steel bear yeah. steel <laughs> traps it's yeah. like, I mean yeah, that's horrific looking in that, but you know, be honest you know, show that right. it's not what it used to be, you know. This right. is more humane right. now. Well,
3: the other the other thing that you got to teach them, and you got to teach them, which I think most people understand, is being in that tree stand or being in that blind uh, when the sun comes up. And listen yep. and watch the woods come alive. Mm-hmm. Or being that out there, amazing. you know, when it gets dawn and the sunset over the woods. And and again, the woods come back alive because the night creatures start coming right. out. And, and it really yep. is an amazing thing. And you can kind of, you know, that's where you really see the fullness of God's glory.
0: I agree. 100%.
2: But Erica, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, I have a feeling we're going to have you on again. I We could do a whole podcast on your horse riding and your, oh your exhibition. God,
0: and I've got more hunting stories for you. Like, I seriously <laughs> have got a hysterical hunting story about me killing a buck and thinking the damn squirrels were going to ruin my blood trail. And I had to run down to Dick's Sporting Goods and get somebody to pull the deer out with me because I was hunting by myself. <laughs> it was the first time hunting by myself. Well, I we're definitely. Ran and did, yeah, we've yeah. got some stories.
2: <laughs> we're definitely going to get you back on for that one then. But, <laughs> (laughs) Uh, Everybody, you've been listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Again, subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you leave us a review. And like we say here at American Roots, when your roots run deep and strong, there's no
3: reason to fear the wind.